Thundershack Show. Adam, are you ready to call this meeting to order? Yes, sir. I love calling the meetings to order and let it be so. Okay, I'm not sure why, but I bet you've noticed this too. We have not heard from Jerry Orn, our road warrior, for a while. Dude, I'm starting to get concerned. I know. he's. You know, we already have one intern, Luke, that is just wandering in the wilderness. I'm afraid we might have two. Yeah. But, but you, Adam, actually have been do- doing a fair bit of traveling lately. I have been. I have been. I, I actually, quite a bit is, is more, more ap- apropos. Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you to do is, why don't you share with the listeners just a list of all the cities you've been in, just say in the last couple of weeks? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, San Diego, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., New York, Chicago. I'm going to Toronto tomorrow, Vancouver, Anaheim, back to San Diego, and then I'll be going to Texas and then Vegas, just to name a few. And while you're not there anymore, you were in Atlanta. And as you sometimes will, you experienced another mild inconvenience. Ugh. This time has been more than mild. That, that, that trip was, was more than mild a few times. Would you mind if I played your call into the hotline about this experience? <laughs> By all means. Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, this is Lord Saunders, and this is how I talk. So I'm on the road, I'm, and I got home from San Diego. I was home for 24 hours. I left for Atlanta. I left my house at 3 o'clock in the morning again to get to Atlanta for an event of the same day. I'm here for one more event, and then I fly to Toronto for another event. Okay, so I travel often. And I go to the airport at 3 o'clock in the morning. Or, yeah, I think I was there by like 4 something. But TSA decides they want to open my bag because they don't like what's in there. Now, this is the same bag that I've been traveling with for the last two f***ing months. Two f***ing months with the same f***ing <laughs> equipment in it. But today at the Miami airport, which always sends my bag through because they're not f***ing stupid... They unpack my entire suitcase, and they still didn't find what they saw on the <laughs> scanner. <laughs> I just want to point out again that despite traveling from the infinite airports, they unpacked my entire suitcase. Then they ran it again after crumpling all my clothes. They crumpled it all back in there, ran it again, still didn't find it. And then we're like, well, here, I can pack your bag. And my words to them were, God, no. And I took the bag. And I'm like, sir, but you can't stand here. You have to move over there. So I picked up my empty suitcase and all my belongings in my hand like I was carrying a pile of laundry from the upstairs to the downstairs to the benches and tried to put some semblance of my suitcase back together. I am so sick of these people when it's proven that they are doing nothing. They are not making anybody secure. It's a false sense of security theater. It's terrible. The track record sucks. It's true. And there's no consistency from airport to airport. I hate this so much. And it was four in the morning when I was on two hours of sleep. The two hours of sleep is irrelevant. This is wrong. There needs to be some sort of like because there's no way you should get away with my emptying my suitcase still not finding what you're looking for. You 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 it on the scanner. You couldn't find it. All right, that's it. 
<laughs> well, well, gosh, Adam, that doesn't sound like a mild inconvenience at all. I, I, I don't even have the words to describe the level of anger that was. And this, I was just like, the, oh. actually, actually, it's I don't hard I, to even talk about I, it. I think you do have the words, and we just listened to them. That's true. And so, what was it that they were looking for? Do you have any idea? Not a clue. It was a dark spot on the monitor. <laughs> well. Thank you for sharing your harrowing experience, and thank you for your courage. <laughs> it's the sacrifice I do for the content on the show. All right. Well, let's begin our meeting as we always do and recognize a few of our best contributors, Adam. Oh, perfect. I'm just going to go through them in no particular order. Okay. Laura Thompson, Sarah Stapleton from Life is Messy. Sarah hat for that. Casey Jones, Corey McCord, Sciencey McScience Face, and our resident flat earther. Brisky from Turn of Phrases. Chris Birkenbein from A Dash of Science and the Podfix Network. Shampoo, our sports reporter. Clay Groves from the Fish Nerds podcast. Kelsey and Tori, Bonnie Chomo. Brad Cranford from my former college roommate fame. Dave Champa, Andrea Blucas, John McKay, and the one that causes to make a special episode of Gravity Beard, Josh Hallmark. Ah, I love that guy. And what a great group of people you just listed. Holy crap. Right? And like we've said many times before, just because you don't make the list doesn't mean that we don't appreciate your contributions. So we really appreciate everybody that contributes to the group. Totally, totally agree. Adam, how about some polls? Well, we know we love polls, and boy, have they been on fire recently. They absolutely have. So, Adam Elimination Paul has done it again. Yes. After two weeks of dejection and hard feelings, we can now declare an official breakfast cereal of the GBI. Aha. Uh-huh. However, I don't have those results handy, so we'll have to reveal the winner at next week's meeting. Ah, cliffhanger. Our next poll comes from the great Carrie McGinnis of Blazing Caribou Studios. Hmm. So she sets up this scenario. You're stuck on a desert island and have to choose one of the following characters to be stuck with until your possible rescue. Now, this should sound familiar because we got a call on the hotline at last last week's meeting from Cookie Monster. This is what he was referring to. Mm-hmm. And so all these characters are from Sesame Street. And here's how the poll shook out when everyone was presented with that scenario. Grover was the winner. He got 16 votes. He's awesome. Yeah, he is awesome. Cookie Monster got 10. He was tied with Oscar the Grouch at 10. And then Elmo came in last. He got only a single vote from Tiff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, I don't know if you recall this, but these results mirrored a poll that we did last October uh, asking who your favorite Sesame Street character is. Although in that poll, Oscar the Grouch beat Cookie Monster by one vote. And last time, Elmo only got one vote as well from Stacy from Rough Giraffe, and this time she he only got a single vote from Tiff. Uh-huh. Did you vote in this poll? I think I voted for Grover. <laughs> yeah, you may have. So in addition to the voting, this post got a ton of comments as well, and I want to read just a few of them. Okay. So Brad, he commented, he was deciding depend, depending on which one tastes more like chicken. <laughs> Sarah said, 
I'm just assuming Cookie Monster comes with cookies. And Brisky agreed. That's a pretty good point. I agree. Laura was concerned that he would actually eat the cookies. And Brisky added, who says he has to survive? (laughs) 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 So things got really dark really fast. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, Jim commented. He said, this show was after my childhood, so I choose Raquel Welch. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Cheryl said, if I were stranded in a confined space, such as an island, with Grover demonstrating near and far indefinitely, (laughs) I would definitely have to murder him. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Leslie uh, Leslie said, I voted for the one I I think will talk the least. That's not a bad way to decide. That's fair. And Luke says, All I know is that Oscar, Grover, and Elmo have never called in. Only Cookie Monster has called into the hotline and confirmed he's an avid listener of the show. By default, unless we hear from the other three, Cookie Monster gets my vote. Plus, I too think he think he comes with cookies. <laughs> uh, Luke, your input is always appreciated, buddy. Adam, I saved Paul's response for last. Mm. This ought to be good. Are you sitting down? Definitely. So here's Paul's response. Grover, I think Oscar was leading recon patrols in Da Nang before he was discharged from the Marines and sent back home to his garbage can on Sesame Street. And instead of a hero's welcome, all he had was VA benefits, a monthly disability check, and various mental illnesses that caused him to lash out at people. (laughs) Oscar all the way. All he knows is combat and strife. He fears nothing. He fights everything. He welcomes death's sweet release, and he'll probably help you get the hell off that island as one last mission, kid. No offense meant to current or former military personnel. Oscar is a disaffected Vietnam War veteran in my head cannon. <laughs> I love that head cannon. <laughs> That's pretty brilliant, dude. What a fantastic response. That was so well thought out. Okay, so there you go. Next... Leslie wants to know everyone's opinion on the best salad dressing. Yeah, this is a tough one also. It is. So Catalina, also known as French dressing, came in first by a very narrow margin. Traditional ranch came in a close second. Blue cheese and house Italian tied for third. Olive oil, red wine, vinegar, and avocado ranch were next. And then there's a seven-way tie between a group after that. And another 10 that got a single vote. Could you have come up with that many salad dressings, by the way? Yeah, I couldn't have I couldn't have come up with the individual styles, no. Well, and besides, I, I suggested honey mustard, which wasn't nearly as popular as I, as I expected. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Don't people like honey mustard? I love honey mustard. Well, honey mustard dressing, there's a certain kind that's really, really good. Other times, it's, it's just something you put on a, you know, chicken nugget. Sure. All right. So, Adam, you actually brought the next poll. Ah, I'm good at doing this. Mm -hmm. So you asked, when you encounter something that upsets you, are you more likely to A, confront the situation, or B, suffer in silence? It's a real question. It is a real question. Actually, the results were really close. 53% said that they would confront the situation. And then Shampoo offered an interesting third option, and that is poison their loved ones and slowly drive them mad with grief. (laughs) Which I feel like is a very viable option. (laughs) Apparently it is. All right, Adam. Tori has recently posted a new job opportunity for everyone. What do we got? We've said this before. 
we hate to lose people, but we also don't want to hold them back. Correct. And so just another quick inventory. So we had the Ninja Opportunity in Japan. Yep. We had the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Big one. Then at another recent meeting, we talked about a taste tester for Oreo Cadbury. Mm-hmm. Then we also had the Lighthouse Keeper in San Francisco. And now I bring you what might be our best job opportunity yet. Okay. It says the DEA is looking for a contractor who can burn 1,000 pounds of cannabis per hour. For how long? Hang on just one second, because it says, in addition to cannabis, the contractor will also need to be required to burn papers, cassette tapes, and pharmaceuticals. This will be a temporary job that will run until the end of September and will be located in Texas, reportedly somewhere near Houston. So it sounds like for the next five months... For the next five months, for probably eight or ten hours a day, you have to burn a thousand pounds of cannabis per hour. That's a lot of cannabis, dude. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. And like, where do they get all that? I don't know. But there you go. There's our latest job opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can only burn it for you know a thousand pounds every two hours. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so you don't qualify. No, my my facilities are not equipped. <laughs> oh, man, that is too bad. All right, know, missed. As you know, Adam, we recently introduced nap desks. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. We've also opened the GBI gym. Which is great. As we continue to improve our facilities, I'd like to announce that we are going to open up the GBI spa. Yeah, and now we're talking, buddy. It'll begin with what's called a nap bar. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. This is great for those who didn't want to modify their workstations with a nap desk. So let let me just tell you a little bit about it. The interns who have tested it out call the space childlike and say the nap pods remind them of being in a fort. That's cool. That's good feedback. You can place your belongings in shelves above the bed, or you can give them to one of your comfort concierge who are standing by. They'll even charge your phone for you. Oh, that's glorious. It says... Sheets are changed after every nap. The process takes less than five minutes. Sliding doors and curtains keep out the noise and light if you want a blackout experience. A small fan is provided for white noise and to keep each pod cool. And each room is climate controlled. Wow, that sounds delightful. Yeah, how about that? So spots are going to fill up fast, so stop by today to make your appointment for your first nap. Yeah, and enjoy. All right, Adam. We continue to improve the suite of benefits available to our interns. Every chance we get. Well, now I'm excited to announce the newest one, alien abduction insurance. Okay, that's really important. Super important. Yeah, so if you remember, we recently outfitted the office with a UFO detector. That's correct. It's working very well. We've worked out a deal with Mike St. Lawrence of the UFO abduction insurance company out of Altamont Springs, Florida. He's actually been covering people since 1987. I mean, have any of those people been abducted? (laughs) Rest the case, bro. Exactly. So let me give you some details. For a single lifetime premium of 1995, you get a $10 million policy providing psychiatric care and sarcasm coverage, (laughs) which is limited to immediate family members who provide at least 70% of the heckling. (laughs) As well as double indemnity clause in the event the alien insists on conjugal visits or regards you as a food source. Yeah, that's two very important distinctions. 
Adam, you might be asking, what if you're actually abducted? I am asking that question. Well, here's what happens. A successful claimant with a properly completed form would be entitled to $1 per year for 10 million years paid out annually on April 1st. (laughs) On April Fool's Day. (laughs) The form asks questions about the aliens, where they're from, what type of spacecraft they're driving, and a description of the abduction. And the signature of an authorized alien who was on board the UFO during the incident is also required. But I'm not done. Abductees are limited to one, one occurrence per policy, however. So if you're a frequent flyer, you'll need to purchase multiple policies. He also offers coverage for reincarnation scenarios. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, like for yourself? Well, let me explain. While it's still true, you can't take it with you, the company notes. Now you can leave it here and come back to get it. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Now you might be asking... But what if you were to come back as an animal or an insect? Don't worry. The $10 million payout doubles if you return as a lower life form. Ah. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, Tiff, for turning us on to this. Please head down to HR immediately and fill out the proper paperwork to be sure you are adequately covered. Yeah, because you don't want to get abducted and or if you do, you want to get compensated for it. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, we have another addition to our dress code. Okay. It is a genuine official U.S. government surplus astronaut spacesuit. Hey, that's pretty cool. Here are a few details. It said it is brand new, high-altitude flying suit made for the American astronauts. Now, what's great is that it originally cost $180, but not for you. It comes with eight zippers, inside pockets, all nylon construction, and only weighs seven pounds. And it comes for the low, low price of $8. That doesn't sound like the genuine article. No, no, no. It's a genuine official U.S. government surplus astronaut spacesuit. Also left off that it costs 75 cents for postage and handling. Okay. This does not feel like the genuine article. This item was immediately approved, so head down to see Keith, our HR liaison, to be fitted for your correct size. Hmm, Perfect. We also have some great new selections at the GBI library. Let's start here. Chris DeVos brings us this cookbook, Fishing the Box Out of the Trash Because I Didn't Read the Directions Before Throwing It Away. <laughs> That's a book that we all could use. I agree. Tori suggested this title. It's from the very famous Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. And the cover of the book has a dramatic color picture of two girls and a lion. And the title is Holy f***ing a lion. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's how you know what the book's about right there. Yeah. So it looks excellent. I think I'll go check that one out. Yeah. Just be sure you get there quick because it's, you know, probably be gone pretty soon. Yeah. That's going to be very, a very popular title. Absolutely. Finally, this one, the title of the book is Can Holding in a Fart Kill You? <laughs> That's I, I mean, I think inquiring minds want to know. I agree. It's an excellent question. I took it down to our science committee on sciencing, and they unfortunately, they refused to answer. I'm not really sure why. It's weird. Maybe Chris or some someone else from the science committee on sciencing will... I don't know. Maybe they should call the hotline and answer the question. Yeah, Birkenbein. Come on, dude. You got you to gotta help us out here. Yeah, please. 
So anyway, head down to the GBI library and check out these and other fine titles from Keith, our resident librarian. And as always, look out for Luca the Bookmobile. Should be coming through your neighborhood very soon. Yep. He has a bell on it, like an ice cream truck. I think it's actually a stolen ice cream truck. 100%. He just ate all the ice cream and then filled it with books. Right. Which is the next best thing to ice cream. (laughs) Books. Right. (laughs) If you can't have ice cream... Read a book, bro. (laughs) Read a book, bro. (laughs) Nice. I had a friend that always, down here, he's always say, anytime they wanted you to leave them alone, they'd be like, bro, go read a book, bro. So for many years, when I wanted people to go away, I just said, go read a book, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great. All right, Adam, let's briefly touch the food page. Oh, perfect. And I apologize. I actually don't know who submitted this. But on the wall of the break room, we've posted some helpful instructions for how to eat a burrito. Oh, I hadn't seen this one, so I'll have to stop back by. Yeah, so here it comes in five steps. Step one, get a firm grip on your burrito. Step two, undress your burrito from its wrapper and give it tender kisses. (laughs) I did see this. Step three, as you chew... Forget your sorrows. Forget that Cindy left you. There is no Cindy in Burrito Town. Cindy is not (laughs) welcome here. Correct. Step four. Enjoy the last few bites as your burrito explodes out of its foil wrapper. (laughs) Don't panic. This is your burrito's way of climaxing. Do not fight the burrito climax. Enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) And the fifth and final step. Lie down in the burrito juice and take a nap. (laughs) Boy, that sounds delicious. So there you go. Now you know how to eat a burrito. Tender kisses. Don't forget the tender kisses. Never forget the tender kisses. Once again, it's time to talk science. Yes. Carrie Dyke submitted our first item. If we got all the cats in the world to meow at the exact same time, how loud would it be? I, for one, think that's an excellent question. I hate cats. Screw them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's some information. The average cat meow is around 70 decibels, which is above speaking volume, but below shouting. And there's about 2 billion cats in the world. So by that math, it would total 130 to 150 billion decibels, which is about 100 million jets taking off at once. (laughs) (laughs) And then the post ends with a pun. That would be catastrophically loud. <laughs> catastrophically meowed, if it's more like it. <laughs> okay, okay, you win, actually. <laughs> so, more importantly, Carrie asked Chris Birkenbein, her co-host on the Dash of Science uh, and, mm-hmm. and the Science Committee of Sciencing, to confirm this assertion. And luckily for us, he responded. Are you ready? Yes. Chris says this. I don't think they're taking into account the distance between cats and the phase and frequency differential. If they all meow at the same frequency and amplitude, but half of them at a 180 degree phase from the other half and a distance that is a multiple of the wavelength, it's very possible you would hear nothing at all. We call this active noise control. That's 100% correct, actually. (laughs) He is totally right about that. Yeah. And also, like, two things that 
are in the same amplitude, they don't equal double the amplitude. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah. Maybe you should be. Maybe you should be added to the science committee of sciencing. Well, uh, that my point being just that. Um, that's still if if the difference is not a hundred million jets taking off and like the phase cancellation is not present, then it'd be like fifty million jets taking off. <laughs> <laughs> that math is wrong there. It's 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 it's, it's napkin math, but it's it's the same thing. <laughs> well, napkin math is the only math I understand. Correct. Carrie also shared this helpful tip, Adam. I don't know if you saw this. And this was answering the question, how can you distinguish between an alligator and a crocodile? How's that? The answer is by paying attention to whether the animal sees you later or in a while. (laughs) That's a fair point. Yeah. Good sciencing. Yeah. So thanks for that pro tip, Carrie. Adam, how about we take a few minutes and touch the sports page? I love the sports page. I don't know if you're a big baseball fan, but the 2019 Major League Baseball season is currently underway. Yes. But before things kicked off, a few notable veterans signed new contracts. Did you see this? I did not. So get a load of these three contracts that were signed just before the new season started. The first one, Manny Machado, signed a 10-year, $300 million contract with the San Diego Padres. Golly. All right. Bryce Butler, nine days later, signed a 13-year annual basis because he's making $36 million per year, and that tops the $34.4 million that Zach Grinke is earning from the Arizona Diamondbacks on a six-year, $206.5 million contract that he signed four years ago. Dude, I just can't imagine like what would possess a team to be like, no, no, you we're gonna pay you half a billion. Like then there you go. Like I mean, like what is the person feeling at that time? Like I just I can't I can't wrap my head around either side of that. <laughs> is basically that is that is like mind boggling, mind blowing numbers. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right, Adam. How about another installment of terrible sports broadcasting? Oh, yay. I'm, I really hope we have more of these. <laughs> so last week we heard from A.J. Clement. Yeah. This week we may have what may be the GOAT. Oh, wow. Wayne Gretzky. It's a little long, but it's totally worth it. I bring you, Adam, Brian from Ball State. Hello, everyone. Well, the Ball State softball team continued to play this weekend and they were hoping to continue off of their straight three out of four losses. And so we'll take a look and see how that happened. They started off good, but then eventually but the Ball State women's, be- women's team shot down and ended up doing poorly. <laughs> oh, no. And, oh, no. Okay. We're going to continue on now. And the Ladies Cardinals will play an Iowa tournament starting this Friday. Before the Ball State baseball team kicks off its conference season this, we- this weekend, the Cards will battle an in-state rival Indiana tomorrow. Tomorrow's game will be the meeting between the two, beating both... First... <sighs> oh, dear. Oh. Hoosiers are on the four on... <laughs> on the year 
and they have won six of its last seven games tomorrow. It will be the game three at 3 p.m. Which, switching to Ball State men's tennis, it seems last <laughs> week player on, it seems every week they have a player. <laughs> Mad Lawrence is the latest Cardinals tennis player to win the award. Lamar won all this, all the singles and doubles matches last week. So far, the Cardinals have had a player honored on the on the weekly awards. Seven out of the nine, uh, seven out of the nine weeks, the Cards will play at Boise State invite this weekend. The Indiana Pacers are looking for a measure of revenge tonight against the New Jersey Nets and to strengthen their playoff hopes. The Nets won the last Sunday's matchup 94 to 85, which left the Pacers one game behind the Chicago in the seventh series spot. Let's check out the highlights. Yeah, let's check out the highlights. Yeah, this is going to be great. Steven Jackson's David. <laughs> Reggie Miller's looking good. He shoots oh, a three, yes. <laughs> and it's good. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> the final scores ended up with the Pacers 63 to the net 61. The Associated Press of the All-American first team in college ba baseball was announced today at Utah's seven-foot sophomore center Andrew Bogot was the leading vote getting receiving 61st place votes. <laughs> Bogot, who is an Australian native, received very little attention in the presentation in the preseason, but averaged 20 points and 12 rebounds a game for Utah. The four other players joining Bogot on the AP team are senior forward Wayne Summers and Kansas of Kansas, and Hacken Warwick of Syracuse, junior guard J.J. Reddick of Duke, and sophomore and sophomore guard Chris Paul of Wake Forest rebounded out the list. <laughs> Let's check out some of the scores tonight. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, scores, baby. Brian? Okay, there, buddy? great. Thanks a lot for that look into sports, Brian. Yeah. Oh. And when we come back, we'll have one final look at weather. Stay tuned. This is what happened to the scores, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> That is ridiculous. Okay, so, so I forgot. I, I had heard part of that. Um, I, obviously, the boom goes the dynamite. It's like very well known, right? Uh, but like I had forgotten how much more there was in front of that, and it's 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 one of the worst and most enjoyable like, <laughs> <laughs> pieces of broadcast ever. Uh, thank you for that look in sports, Brian. <laughs> I, I think what I what I like the most about this is that there's. Like he never gives up, no matter how wobbly he gets. Absolutely, absolutely. He stays after it, and so then there ends up being like two or three or four seconds at a time of like really confident, but but really yeah. anem but really anemic broadcasting. Well, and I like how when he does the basketball highlights, he's like, and and then he grabs a rebound and. And, he's, and it's good. I <laughs> <laughs> have no idea who he's talking about. With a no. pass, he basically, and boom goes the dynamite. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Reggie Miller? 
Yeah, so for anybody that's listening that would like to do more than just cursory research, and I, I should have said this last week when we talked about A.J. Clement, you can look both these guys up and find out where they are today. Oh, wow. So you can actually like follow that guy? That's awesome. Yeah, so you can find out where Brian from Ball State is, and you can find, find post-interviews that A.J. Clement did after his disastrous start on that other station. That's amazing. <laughs> Hopefully he's turned his broadcasting career around. Yeah, I hope that's true for both of them. All right, Adam, why don't we take a quick break and hear from one of our new promotional partners. Glorious. More platinum-level content right after this. This week's episode is brought to you by Revenge Diapers. Are you being bullied? <laughs> Has your significant other been cheating on you or treating you with less respect than you deserve? Is someone literally pissing in your cornflakes? <laughs> then Revenge Diapers might be for you. The Revengeologists at McGovern Industries have been working tirelessly for the past 43 years in order to find a safe and viable method for clandestine diaper application. <laughs> Simply wait for the offending party to be asleep, washing a window, or otherwise occupied. Remove the adhesive backing and attach the diaper delivery unit to the individual's gooch, grundle, or taint. After that's done, <laughs> all you have to do is press the button on the included remote and let the revenge diaper do its stuff. The best part is that your enemy won't feel a thing. It might even be days before they realize that they've been wearing a diaper in public. But by then, it will already be too late, and their public lives will be ruined. Go to clandestinediapers.com and enter the discount code WEIRDDIAPER for $10 off your first order of $400 or more. Order within the next 10 days, and you'll receive an additional pair of revenge diapers in your choice of classic, pre-soiled, and chipotle spice. Revenge diapers, because it's time that someone else took some crap. Can I just say how much, like, the word grundle is one of my favorite words ever? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Adam, we've heard a lot of good products being advertised by our new promotional partners. I think revenge diapers might be one of my favorites. <laughs> revenge diapers, you know, and, and McGuffin Industries has, like, a wide variety. They're, they're, they're kind of like the marketing, you know, like, equivalent of the GBI. Yeah, quite possibly. And I wouldn't expect you to recognize it, but the second male voice on that ad was Corey Sasso, who's one of the co-hosts on More Gooder Than Podcast over on the Podfix Network. Oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. I did not yeah. recognize that. Yeah, so it was fun to hear Corey on there. Yeah. All right, well, wa welcome back to the show. For more information about Revenge Diapers, feel free to check out Weird With You. It's another terrific podcast from the Podfix Network. It can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, Adam, Leslie wanted us to pass this along to everyone in the office. If you call and get her voicemail, you will hear this. If you've reached this recording, please hang up and text me because I haven't checked my voicemail since 2005. <laughs> Adam, do you still use voicemail? Mm, yes. Do you use I it do. a lot? You? Do you use it, well, I, I use it sparingly. Yeah, it's. I, I use it for business. I don't use it for personal, ever. Well, I, I think what's happening in my industry is that most people realize you don't respond, to, you don't listen to voicemail, and so I'm getting almost no voicemail these days. Yeah, I mean, most people that are I'm doing business with, 
it's it's only it's a rare occasion but if i do use it it's it's then but then i I, i'll get an email or a text right same well did you know that voicemail is among a growing list of things that are gradually being killed by the millennial generation they're killing everything man (laughs) everything would you like to hear a list of a few more things that they're killing yes all right well the list starts with handshakes apparently (laughs) well apparently millennials have a significantly weaker handshake than previous generations well that's not surprising they're weak (laughs) (laughs) item number two breakfast cereals and i think you're going to appreciate this adam 40 percent of millennials reported that cereal was just too inconvenient because they had to clean up after eating it well yeah but what about all the avocado toast (laughs) right item number three pants in 2018 legging sales surged with some retailers reporting as much as a 95 percent increase in legging sales from the previous year they think this is attributed to the rise in athleisure which is a style that involves wearing workout clothes during your day-to-day life that's becoming increasingly more acceptable yeah yep now i think the most hilarious thing about that is that most of these people are not working out. They're just wearing workout clothing. That's correct. It's a farce. Uh-huh. Uh, number four on the list, Costco. Apparently, millennials aren't into bulk shopping. Why stop by a store and haul a huge container of toilet paper home when you can simply have it delivered with a few clicks? And that's certainly a trend we've been seeing more and more. I hope that that doesn't actually go away because I love bulk shopping. Yeah, I do too. Well, here's just a few more things. One, the hotel industry... They're, they prefer Airbnb. Number two, chain restaurants. And this is actually something I'm on board with. I'm not big on chain restaurants anymore. Number three, cash. They're killing cash. Instead, they use credit cards and other digital forms of payment. Yeah. Number four, Adam, this is one you can get on board with. Bar soap. Ah, ah see? And we've certainly discussed that in our group. Ad nauseum. And number five, and this is kind of a weird one, Napkins. What do they use? It says out, it says they turn to paper towels for all their napkin related needs. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're not, they're not okay, right. That one I'm I'm okay with. But I mean, can you imagine napkins going away? Like that's just that's just weird to think about. I mean, I don't think that na- I well You know, I'm thinking about it at the house though, like I prefer to have a, a paper towel than a napkin at the moment. Well, I mean, I don't use napkins either, but I mean, are napkins on their way out? How, how weird is it even to say that? Well, that's that's a fair point. It's like, of all things, it's like, well, well I mean, hey, straws. Straws are going out. <laughs> right. you know? All right. Well, in any case, Adam, I've got one more, and you're not going to like this one. Uh-oh. Avocado toast. <laughs> Millennials are killing saying Merry Christmas. Oh, my God. I don't know if that's actually true. Well, hang on. It says that millennials are more likely to wish people happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah. 53% of adults under 30 prefer the more neutral greeting because it's more inclusive. Are you okay with people not telling other people Merry Christmas? So I'm just trying to think about this because I really feel like that there is a... Okay, so they went like, we can't say Merry Christmas anymore. So people be like, Merry Christmas. And I find people are less likely to be offended by saying Merry Christmas because of the fact that a lot of people are getting offended by people saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> so I say Merry Christmas. I think it's weird 
that you know like it's kind of like a stigma where like Merry Christmas is a thing I do agree that people are saying Happy Holidays which I get that it's it's unconventional I mean it's, it's, it's more inclusive but um, I really hope people still say Merry Christmas I guess this is where I stand on it I, I love the idea of being more inclusive I'm just an inclusive person by nature I, I, I totally agree with that totally yeah, and, and I do I know that about you that you agree as well however I do think that if you happen to be aware that the person that you're around at that time observes Christmas and you think about it, you should give them the courtesy of saying Merry Christmas. Well, I find that the inclusion comes with, um, if you say Merry Christmas and like, and you say Merry Christmas because that's your thing. That's, that's awesome. And then like you said, if somebody says, no, I'm Jewish. And, and like, so then that means at, at, at Jewish time at Hanukkah, um, then I'm going to say Happy Hanukkah, you know, like, or, or if they say Happy Hanukkah to me, I'm going to be like, thank you and Happy Hanukkah to you or, you know, whatever the appropriate greeting is. I, you know, I don't, I don't think we have to, like, we ha- I don't think we have to create a generalized anything. And that goes for, you know, a lot of things. Um, but anyway, that's my thought. No, I, th- I think that's a good point. I, I think inclusion is great. But yeah, I mean, if somebody says Happy Hanukkah to me, I mean, I don't look the slightest bit Jewish, but if someone says Happy Hanukkah, just an observant of that part of the year... Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to respond with happy Hanukkah. Do I care? Well, right. I mean, and um, uh, absolutely. So it's it's. I I don't know if they're actually killing it though. I don't, I, I don't blame out of millennials. Is what I'm saying. Like I, I think that that's somebody else. Adam, that's what the study says. Well, I mean, did you do cursory or more than cursory research? I think you know the answer to that question. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Last week we played part one. Today we bring you part two of. Guy on a Buffalo. Yeah, all right. One day, the guy on the Buffalo hopped off to stretch his legs, walk in the field. Hey, what's this in the weeds? It's a baby. Awesome. He put it in a saddle. Buffalo, 
got problems of his own. That's so amazing, man. Jesus. I love Guy at a Buffalo so much. I do too. It's a specific brand and it's perfect for us. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, and there's an exciting two-part conclusion to Guy in a Buffalo. Oh, and I can't wait. <laughs> we'll play that at a future meeting. And thank you, of course, Casey, for bringing this to us. Adam, I'm assuming you got this. Last week, Carrie Dykes from A Dash of Science sent out a memo with some helpful advice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share it here for those that missed it. If you ever fall over in public, pick yourself up and say, Sorry, it's been a while since I inhabited a body and walk away. <laughs> I like that. It's uh, it's either going to be a good joke or one way ticket to the loony bin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, Adam. Yeah, what's up, buddy? I want to play a piece of audio from the most recent episode of This Week Today, and then I want to ask you about it. Oh, well, I mean, I like hearing us talk, so please do. All right, so here it is. Okay, and here we go. Oh, this is a good one. 18%, Chris, of Americans claim to have seen or felt the presence of a ghost. Are you in that 18% of Americans? I was going to ask you that question. I am not in that 18%. Have you seen or felt the presence of a ghost? So I've had some really interesting experiences that I don't really know what to attribute them to, but I've had some pretty harrowing experiences. Wow. As a child. Yeah. Yep. Well, why don't I do another one? Here we go. Do you remember saying that? I do. (laughs) Okay. So here's why I caught my attention. You Mm -hmm. hear me react in the clip, but I have no idea why it didn't cause me to stop down the show and ask you to elaborate. Yeah, I thought I thought we blew past that pretty quick, but boy, did we know, ever! Are you it, kidding it, me? It, <laughs> so, uh, wait, 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 wait. Wh- hang on a second. <laughs> hang on. I really hate to do this. Yeah, I apologize to everyone. We don't have time to discuss it today. <laughs> but but I I just want to I just want to call it out because I I can't believe I didn't do it before. So we don't have time to get to it. I just I just want to kind of bookmark it. And, and we promise we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in a future meeting, okay? Well, the funny thing was, I was like, because I know the show, I know us, and I know what we were doing, I was like, well, we don't have time to get to it. Like, we just don't have time. <laughs> what, I, what I thought was interesting was that you didn't say anything about it at all. I was like, oh, okay, well, hey, we don't have time to get to it. It's just like, it's like a poor news story, you know? Well, I, I just gave it a generic, oh, that's interesting. Like, you, you basically dropped a bomb on me. I was like, I should have been like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> And I was like, was like, I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mildly, it's mildly, you know, curious, but that's about it. <laughs> but that's exactly well, what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. oh well, we gotta, we gotta move on. We don't have, we're, yeah, we, we yeah. have other amazing facts to talk about, not the amazing <laughs> personal fact that you just revealed. Like that would have been more amazing than any fact we possibly could have generated. I think I just missed the opportunity to be like, hey, do you remember saying that? I can be like, no, Chris, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have a very busy agenda. We've got to continue. And so, so we, we will get to this. I, I really just wanted to call it out so we had it on record. We will get back 
we'll get back to this. Okay. And, and that was that was Adam on the road too. I was on the street in that one. Yeah, I was, yeah in, okay. I was in a hotel room when we recorded that. Say no more. We're we're just gonna we're, we'll get to this in a future meeting. Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. Let's touch the travel page. Oh, cool. Adam, can I interest you in a life-size Monopoly game experience? I hate Monopoly. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on then. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to hear about this, but no, I'm not interested in that because I hate Monopoly, but I'm interested in the large size. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, too bad. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> Adam, you know what this music means? What music? (laughs) It's time for more Hood News. Yes! Hood News is the best news segment we've got in a long time. It usually involves two crackheads. (laughs) Well, hold that thought. Good evening, we're live with the Hood News at 6. We're live right here in the Jets as uh, a story unfolded right here. They said Brenda, Ernie, and Tony got into a major shootout this afternoon. They said it all started over a 50 on the crack pipe. That's when they said Brenda <laughs> fired off shots at the dope man, hitting him two times in the leg. But they said he's out of commission right now, so I don't know if any drugs are going to be sold this evening. But I will want you guys to stay tuned. But they said Brenda is on the run right now. They're live right now in a PT Cruiser. Uh, they said Metro is looking for him right now. So if you guys have any information on that, you're actually called the local Crime Stoppers unit immediately at the 234-2020 website. But as you guys can see, they have several Metro officers out here canvassing the area, trying to see if they could get some clues on where Brenda might have went to. But they said the dope man is out of commission. So if you guys will stay tuned, we'll have much more on that story right here in the Jets. Oh, man. (laughs) So I don't know if any drugs will be sold this evening, but... (laughs) Well, no, Adam, the dope man is on the run. That's right, he's on the run, so there's no chance of getting any dope this evening. Well, thank you to Paul for introducing us to the team over at Hood News. Stay tuned for more reports. Yes. Adam, it's time to discuss some items from the world of entertainment. Oh, perfect. Does this come from our entertain turn? (laughs) It does indeed. But let's begin once more with an advisory. Depending on when you're hearing this, the final season of Game of Thrones premieres today. Mm. And so here's the advisory. We've created an official GBI Game of Thrones discussion thread in the group. The idea is that you can go there immediately after the episode airs and start discussing it with everyone. So consider yourself warned. There absolutely will be spoilers. If you want to participate, just search the group for hashtag GOT to join in on the conversation. And now how about some entertainment headlines, Adam? I love AT headlines. I think all these come from our entertain turn, Chris DeVos. The first one, Robert Smith of The Cure confirms new music from The Cure for the first time in 10 years. He has not aged well. Boy, he hasn't. Were you ever a Cure fan? Um, I like a couple of songs by The Cure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally dig The Cure. Uh, second headline... Lucasfilm is reportedly developing an Ewok series for Disney. An Ewok series for Disney? Like, 
like like a movie series or like a TV series or a cartoon series or like a what kind of series? Are you asking follow-up questions? Uh, my bad. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Adam, I think you'd, you'd agree that it's never surprising to learn that an, an, a famous artist hates their most popular song. Uh, that's very common. Well, I have a little game for us to play. Okay. I'm going to name the artist or band, and I want you to name the hit song that they hated. Oh, okay. Give now, li- li- listeners listening at home can play along. Maybe you want to keep score, and at the end, we'll see how you did. You ready? Yeah. All right, we're going to start with legendary lead singer of Led Zeppelin, Robert Plant. I mean, Stairway to Heaven. That is correct. Number two, Madonna. Uh, Like a Virgin. Also correct. You're doing great. Lead singer of R.E.M., Michael Stipe. Uh, it's, uh, th- that's me in the corner. Losing my religion. Nope. And the losing my religion is not correct. Would you like another try? No. Shiny happy people. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, Stipe described it as a fruity pop song written for children. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> that kind of bums me out because I actually really liked that song. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with him. And I own it on cassette single. Oh, perfect. All right, number three. This one's a little harder because of the size of their catalog and for another reason that will be revealed shortly. John Lennon. And he actually had two songs that he hated. Oh, man. Because I know you're not a big Beatles fan. Yeah, was it No Religion 2? That one. Look at all the people. Nope. Good guess. Do you have another one? Uh, Eleanor Rigby? No, that's not it. That song is awesome. There's no way he hates that song. Nobody to tell you? Yeah. By the way, Peter DeVilbus, Adam also hates the Beatles. I didn't. I don't hate the Beatles, bro. Stop saying that crap, man. <laughs> you keep misrepresenting your co-host. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, the two songs that John Lennon hated, Let It Be and Hello Goodbye. Okay. Let It Be. That's. I was like, it can't be that one because I thought that was... That was a Paul song, but it was a Paul song. John hated it and said it should have been a wing song. <laughs> <laughs> but I very specifically was like, no, that's I'm going to dismiss that. I thought I thought he was talking about his own written. No, but no. And, and I actually like Hello Goodbye. So John Lennon could stick it. No, I hate that one. You hate Hello Goodbye? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, it just proves you do hate the Beatles. All right, the next <laughs> I hate one. You. That's what I hate. I hate you. You baby. You. <laughs> Well, that that's going to get you in even more trouble with Peter DeVilbus. <laughs> uh, look, I'm already up <laughs> creek, all right? So you need to back off that stan- stance immediately. <laughs> all right, number five, Frank Sinatra. Oh, man, he has a humongous catalog. Yep. He sure does. Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. Dude, I don't know. There's two minutes to choose from. Okay, I'll just give it to you. The answer is Strangers in the Night. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have either. Yeah, he's, it, the article says, fans loved it. The chairman himself called it <laughs> a piece of <laughs> and could often be seen mouthing obscenities to his band after it was over. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like he, I he had love to, that so much. He had to perform it over and over again, and after every time, he would, he would get grumpy and mutter to his band after it was done. That <laughs> sounds exactly like Frank Sinatra. That's fantastic. Number six, Kurt Cobain. Smells like Teen Spirit. 
Yep, that's right. Number seven, Pete Townsend, who, of course, was oh, the guitarist man. for The Who. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Pinball Wizard. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yes! <laughs> F- yeah. <laughs> Your face, Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, which song did the Beastie Boys hate? Oh, no. It can't be Fight for Your Right to Party. It absolutely is. They no! hated the song. You gotta fight for your right to party. <laughs> oh man, that makes perfect <laughs> sense, though. I mean, that was like so out of their catalog, you know. I mean, it, it was, but it wasn't. But it's definitely like a gimmick. Yeah. All right. So you got uh, one, two, three, four, five. You got five out of eight. That's pretty good. Yeah, not bad, not bad. I mean, Frank Sinatra is tough, man. They have a huge collection, and the Beatles too. Yeah, I mean, they should have gone my gut on the Beatles for sure. But I can't believe I'm willing to admit this, but you did much better than I did on the Christmas quiz. <laughs> I, that's, well, I also threw you a bunch more questions. Yeah, but I still did quite poorly. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Adam, it's time for This Week in Kiss. Yes, this is getting to be really exciting. <laughs> And of course, I'm talking about the overly costumed band from the 70s and 80s. I don't know. I think overly costumed is only relative because if you take like a band like Guar, like that band is overly costumed. No, 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 no. no. Have you ever been to a Guar show? (laughs) No, I actually have not been to a Guar show. That band is appropriately costumed for a Guar show. Okay, that... (laughs) That's a... (laughs) Ah, that's so fair and also unfair. <laughs> if you're going to put on a show like Gwar does, how would you like them to dress? <laughs> no, no, no. That, I, I, but I'm saying that's true, though. I mean, but like they're overly costumed for like regular rock and roll. But yeah, yeah, I guess like, I, I'll, I'll concede your point for sure. Especially, especially, Adam, and I know you'll agree with this, what Gore used to call a full blood show. That's true. Now, have you ever been to a Gore show? Okay, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> This will probably get cut out, but I'm going to I'm going to tell this story anyways. I used to go see bands all the time when I was in college down at this little bar that probably when it was packed out held like 100 or 150 people. Uh-huh. And I went down there specifically, and this was one of those old, old theaters. Yeah. It had like the balcony and then had the floor and then had the bar in the back. And so I got a seat up in the second, second balcony, in the, in the front row of the second balcony in this tiny bar that holds 100 people for a gore full blood show. Wow. And I, I intentionally got up in the balcony because... Yeah, for sure. Because I was suspecting that they wouldn't be able to shoot their blood cannons all the way up to the balcony. I don't Were know if wrong? that was... I never found out if that was true because the fire marshal showed up and it was so packed out that they shut down the show before it started. That is bullshit. I almost got to see a gore full blood show in a tiny bar. Dang it. Dang it. I've seen some really good shows. That would have hands down been the best live show I've ever seen in my life. Now, did you know that Guar did a cover of Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas? (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. It's funny. All right. YouTube. That was a little bonus content for our entertainment segment, but I don't want to get distracted from This Week in Kiss, so here we go. And of course, this comes from my former college roommate, Brad Cranford. It says, this week, Brad brings us an article from Richard Burnett of the Montreal Gazette. (laughs) And if you remember last week, we referenced how they had just finished up in Cleveland and were heading to Montreal. Correct. 
So it says, Kisses on their end of the road tour. Burnett wrote an article about their stop in Montreal, and Brad shared some of the highlights from that article. It goes like this. The last time Kiss bid farewell to Montreal was on their original farewell tour in 2000. 13 tours later, the band is back. (laughs) He notes, It was a little disconcerting to watch the 10-year-old kid sitting in front of me pumping the hand horn salute while screaming the lyrics to lick it up. The the multi-generational, all-ages crowd loved every second of the show. The hits, the pyro, the confetti. And this is where Brad stops down and says, Maybe the GBI needs more confetti. That's a good point. That is a good point. This was the first KISS concert for many in attendance, and the audience didn't seem to miss original KISS members Peter Chris and Ace Freely. And then Brad asked this question, how would you know or how does a crowd express their feelings for previous missing band members? <laughs> like if you're writing... A- <laughs> That's a really good point. Boom! <laughs> right? Like if you're writing about the concert, how are you observing that they're not mi- that they are or are not missing previous band members yeah i guess you have to like wander around outside unless you hear somebody say like bro that was good but it would have been way better with peter chris and ace freely <laughs> right. <laughs> right but it's very speculative for him to write that in his article that's very true in any case he says it made for some indelible rock and roll theater though it's not quite the end of the road for kiss in montreal the band will headline one more show at the bell center august 16th and brad concludes by saying suddenly I really want to take Chris to his first Kiss concert before they retire again. Yeah, you got to do it before they retire again. Yeah, well, and to that I say, I would be happy to go to a Kiss concert. Let's do it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Now, Adam, sadly, they are not coming to Dallas. However, Mm. they will be in Sunrise on August the 6th. You know, that's like a concert I would want to see because I've never seen Kiss. I feel like that's kind of an experience you need to have. Well, Adam, on August the 6th, they will be just north of where you live. That's why I went and saw Iron Maiden. Darn right. Year. So, buy your tickets now for for the Kiss concert in Sunrise, Florida. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet they charge like $1,000 a ticket because they're Kiss. <laughs> I don't know. They're saying farewell. Yeah, again. <laughs> for the maybe the dozenth time. <laughs> All right, Adam, it's time to discuss our next round of candidates for a spot in our current three-room apartment. Dang it, bro. What is this, number seven? It is number seven. And if I'm completely honest, I'm a little nervous after our recent controversy. Nah, we're good. We're good at this. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it anyways. Our first candidate was submitted by Chris DeVos, Corey McCord, and Tiff Franks. Wow. Jan Michael Vincent, who starred in such action fair as The Mechanic, White Line Fever, and TV's Airwolf before a raft it says before a raft of personal problems and illness sent him on a downward spiral has died february 10th at the age of 73 of cardiac arrest at mission hospitals memorial campus in Asheville, north carolina here's a little more details vincent had a very public battle with drug and alcohol abuse and his career was already on the wane when he was drunk and involved in a 1996 car accident in mission viejo california that broke his neck and damaged his vocal cords. Man, I didn't know about that. 12 years later, Vincent was in another car crash, then contracted an infection that led to two sections of his right leg being amputated. He spent his final years broke and living in the South. Things were much different in the mid-1970s when Vincent was poised on the cusp of superstardom. 
A chiseled heartthrob with a mane of flowing hair, he capitalized on his hunky image by appearing shirtless in photos and on the big screen. And the agent who discovered him also discovered James Dean. Vincent played a variety of roles all throughout the 70s, and then onto the role that perhaps he's most famous for. In the mid-80s, he was cast as Stringfellow Hawk, pilot of a high-tech CIA-created Bell 222 helicopter and the brother of a missing Vietnam vet on Airwolf, created by TV action maestro Donald P. Belisario. The series, which also starred Ernest Borgnine, who I don't remember, aired from 84 to 86. You remember Ernest Borgnine? You would if you saw him. Not in Airwolf, I don't. (laughs) Oh, okay. I I I don't know him. No, I definitely know who Ernest Borgnine is, but not from Airwolf. So it aired from 84 to 86, and Vincent at the time was among the highest paid actors on television. Adam, does the pilot of Airwolf belong in a three-room apartment? Okay, so I'm doing some cursory here. 84 acting credits. 84. With some titles being The Bonanza. All right, Lassie. Um, He was in the TV series of Gunsmoke. I think everybody was in Gunsmoke. That's fair. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's been acting since the early 60s. Or the late 60s. I mean, with Lassie, which is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I think th- this is a, this is one of those guys who who died old, so a lot of his achievements weren't really like aren't really current to the things that we know right now, right? Um, and Airwolf has a terrible reva- uh, has a terrible rating. But I think it's kind of one of those cult classic things. Airwolf is definitely so, a cult classic. I mean, he's fifty five episodes of Airwolf. <laughs> he's the lead, the lead you know I don't know I mean this is one of those things where like he's one of the people that I don't know that well but he has a massively storied career in acting so I feel like that if we ask a different demographic they may have a completely different you know perspective on the apartment like yes or no right off the bat okay so what's your verdict um my inkling is I mean I, I would let him in I would let him in I feel like he's got a lot here and he had a go at life. So (laughs) I mean, he's a little reprieve in the afterlife. All right. Well, I agree. And I think our group would, would implode if we didn't admit him. (laughs) (laughs) He was nominated by three different people. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, he is a handsome fellow was. All right, then Adam, I think we have a consensus. So Jan Michael Vincent will round out our sixth apartment as he joins the very controversial Catherine Helmond and the inventor of the handheld calculator, Jerry Merriman. Actually, I bet all three of those people would have a lot in common. Catherine and Vincent would have a lot in common because of like their time period. And then the calculator guy would have watched them as he was growing up. That completes our sixth apartment. Let's see if we can kick off our seventh apartment. And Chris DeVos nominates our next candidate... Are you ready for this one, Adam? I can't wait because, geez. (laughs) Nathaniel Taylor. Do you recognize that name? Nope. Nathaniel Taylor, the actor best known as Rollo Lawson, the street smart best friend of the son on the 1970s sitcom Samford and Son, has died February 27th at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center in Los Angeles after a heart attack 
the elder Taylor was 80. Adam, <laughs> thoughts on Nathaniel Taylor? <laughs> Jeez, we're really getting that like part of the uh, <laughs> that that TV period. Nathaniel Taylor? Yes. Okay. Would you like me to share my opinion first? I'm, I I think I'm thinking of the wrong son. No, he was the best friend of the son. Oh, the best friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give you my opinion. Okay. So obviously, I've heard of Sanford and Son. Yeah. And its legendary star, Red Fox. Yeah. And of course, the son was also a notable cast member. It's Sanford and Son. Right. Right. But I don't even remember that guy's name, <laughs> like the character or the actor that played him. So I'm certainly not going to approve the actor that portrayed the son's best friend, especially if that's the role he's best known for, is the best friend of the son on Sanford and Son. Yeah. Like, so I'll give you a couple minutes to make whatever case you want. I'm telling you right now, if you disagree with me, this is going to a poll because there's no way you're swaying my opinion. No, because, okay, so I I wanted to make sure it wasn't the son, which I agree with you. He's like, well, I don't really know the son's name, which is... Demon Wilson, or Demond. Um, Listen, Red Fox gets in in a heartbeat. I would not even approve the sun on Sanford and Son. I'm telling you right now. I would approve the sun. I would put that to a poll. But 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 the best friend. See, the thing is, like, I have a connection with that show because when I was a kid, I used to watch that on syndication when I was sick from school, and I used to love that show. Okay, so like, do you know? Way, do you even you know, do you even remember the character that we're talking about? No. Okay. And there's my reason. That's and that's the, role, like, that's the role he's best known for. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if it was the sun, for sure. But if you look at it, I, I'm looking here. Red Fox and the sun were in 135 episodes, right? All of them. That's correct. So this guy was only in 32 episodes. So not... <laughs> <laughs> right. So barely a quarter. So like... And, and, and he's not known for much more than that. So... Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, so him. just j- just so... In case everyone has a, anyone else has a problem with what we're doing, he only has 18 total acting credits that I could dig up, and his resume highlights include 32 episodes episodes of Sanford and Son, like you just said, two episodes of What's Happening, and one episode of Two Two Seven, and then he finishes his career with two episodes of the Red Fox Show. So that is not a deep resume. No, no, not at all. All right. And, and there are no other notable contributions outside of his acting. That's correct. All right. Well, I know you would agree with me. I'm sorry that he's passed. That's very sad. <laughs> but we're not voting him into an apartment. The standards, uh, you know, just me personally, I think our standards have to be much, much higher. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I, but I think we have misinformation on Mona. <laughs> I, no, there's no that. That's well documented now with its, own, with its own episode of the show. So, if anyone want, disagrees and wants to take a stand on Nathaniel Taylor, then go for it. But we're going to move on. All right, Dave Champa, Tiff, and Chris DeVos all nominated our next candidate, Adam. Okay. And this is kind of a fun fact. Dave actually beat Tiff by four minutes to be the first person wow. to report on it. Wow. Actor Luke Perry. Known for roles in Beverly, Hill, Beverly Hills 90210 and Riverdale, died last month after suffering a massive stroke on Wednesday. He was 52, which, by the way, is eight years older than me. Well, I mean, is it a whole eight years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. In, <laughs> in 1990, Perry became a household name for playing the brooding loner Dylan McKay on the smash hit teen drama Beverly Hills 90210 on Fox. 
The show became a phenomenon, catapulting Perry to full-blown teen idol status. He appeared on a racy Vanity Fair cover in July of 1992. Perry had two runs on 90210, one from 1990 to 1995, and another from 1998 to the show's end in 2000, during which time his character struggled with alcohol abuse and drug addiction and went through a series of tumultuous relationships with several other main characters, including Brenda, who was played by Shannon Daugherty, and Kelly, played by Jenny Garth. Coincidentally, and unfortunately... Perry was hospitalized the same day Fox announced a six-episode revival of the show, featuring wow. returning cast members Jason Priestley, Jenny Garth, Ian Ziering, Gabrielle Carteris, Brian Austin Green. What, what, they could just say the whole cast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. The whole cast was back. That's everybody but Shannon Daugherty. Perry had not been announced to return. More recently... Perry made a successful return to the TV drama genre with a regular role on the CW show Riverdale. Perry will appear posthumously in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam, what's the verdict on Luke Perry? I'm in for Luke Perry. I think that he... um, It's an easier call for me since I'm more familiar with him. Right. But 90210 was 10 years. Yeah. It was 10 seasons of that stuff. I mean, or 10 years, 200 episodes for him alone. Right. Well, you know, go ahead. I agree with you. And actually, if you dig into his resume, he's got, he's got a fairly extensive resume of acting. Yes. Yes. I think Luke Perry's a no brainer. So it looks like we agree. Yeah, totally. in. All right. Well, then he will be the first to occupy a room in our seventh three room apartment. Darn it. Adam, there are currently six candidates in the queue, and we'll discuss three of them at our next meeting. Good Lord, man. Everybody's dying. <laughs> right? And Adam, without further ado, that concludes this week's staff meeting. Oh, I just wish we had more ado, man. We don't have a single bit of ado left. <laughs> we literally have, don't have any ado. We used up all of our ado for today. We certainly did. Well, this was fun. How about some brief credits? Yeah. The content of these meetings is generated almost entirely by our talented team of interns. If you'd like to contribute to the show, we'd love to have you join the team. Just search Gravity Beard Interns on Facebook. That's where we have various serious conversations about the dumbest things ever. You can also call us on the hotline if you like. That number is 3214652180. If you enjoyed the show, please tell another human about it. Gravity Beard is a proud member of the Podfix Network. To find other great shows consistently creating platinum-level content, go right now to podfixnetwork.com or search at Podfix on Twitter. You can also find me on another fun show called Life is Messy with the lovely and talented Sarah Stapleton. If you found this show, you know where to find that one. Our theme song is Walking the Dog. This catchy tune is Above and Beyond. Both are by Silent Partner. can be found on the YouTube audio library. For my dear friend and co-host, Lord Saunders, I'm your other co-host, Toph. This meeting is adjourned. And peace. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.
hold on one second. We're listening to live coverage of Adam accepting his room service order. Sorry. So, Adam, we just had to take a little break from recording. Do you want to explain to the listener why we had to pause? Um, uh, my room service arrived. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Adam needed a little something for his tummy tum tum. <laughs> okay. But you know, the problem is though, is that this, at this time of day, they don't have avocado toast. Oh dear. My point exactly. The mild inconveniences just continue to pile up. <laughs> <laughs>